Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytrans.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. Last but not least, no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, from an auction, or from a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply on agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida. It's nice enough to come on the show a couple times a week and talk about what's going on. So, Sean, we had the much-awaited January report come out yesterday. And um, I guess what's your reaction? Do you... Were you shocked by anything? Did anything stand out to you as a as a big? I mean, I can't believe this happened. Or, or, or kind of, what's your response to what you saw yesterday? The crickets. The crickets were excited yesterday. Were they? Um, <laughs> 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 they stood up and applauded yeah. um, for a job well done. Uh, uh, no, I mean, rarely are. We weren't expecting anything out of this report. We didn't get anything out of this report. You know, they little up, little down, little down, little up. But for the most part, this is a punt number. They've already mapped their mind what everything was. If there's going to be adjustments going forward, if they've made a mistake in these numbers, which they always do, by the way, uh, they're going to adjust them in future quarterly grain stocks reports. That's how they fix all their mistakes and they come clean on everything without having to admit that they've actually made a mistake. They don't typically do that in this report. And in terms of you know, South America, as I, you know, the, the USDA follows South American fundamentals. They don't get ahead of it. So by the time the USDA gets around to lowering um, the Brazilian soybean crop significantly, it's already been done. 
by private analysts, by the Brazilian government, and the markets already reacted to it. So they did come down on their production, but it's nowhere near as much as we've already seen. You know, there's some estimates out there, 133, 134, 135 million metric tons of Brazilian soybeans. I think they came down to about 139, something like that. So just nothing in there to say, you know, there was a real change in the balance sheet that I could see. It's just, uh, it, you know, it's just not one that you typically look for a big move. So I didn't see anything. The market, you know, always there's always someone reacting to it. But for the most part, it's weather, weather, and weather right now is what really is driving in South America. And right now, specifically in Argentina, that's really going to be why markets go up or down right now. And what we see is some moisture coming into some of the parched areas of central northern Argentina and southern Brazil for the next few weeks. And that should keep the market uh, in pause. And especially soybeans probably causes a correction. We don't think this changes the drought cycle. We don't believe you know, this is a major pattern change. Um, and we do believe that once we get through this, we'll go back to a hot, dry February. But for now, it's a time for the market to pause. So, Gotcha. Okay. All right. So that was the next thing I was going to talk to you about. You know, Argentina is known for its soybeans and, and uh, those kind of things as well. But the wheat market still um, still struggles to uh, kind of rebound back from what we've talked about. Argentine wheat is a big is a big player down there as well. So I guess when you look at the wheat market, man, I mean, there's – I just don't see where – and I'm not any expert by anyone's imagination, but I just can't see how come wheat is not making the bigger moves with all the information coming out about supply across the world and condition and everything else. It seems to me, Casey, and this is just my complete speculation, but it seems to me that there was a flood of panic cash buying of wheat, especially out in Europe, when all this Russia um, unrest started to come about. And it seems that once it was viewed that we were going to start talking, whatever, whatever that means, but we're going to start talking to the Russians and that, is, that there might not be an imminent um, event, um, a lot of that panic cash buying of wheat kind of retraced. So if you look at the wheat price in Europe, for example, um, you know, we've been, we've been, we've been falling off you know, pretty considerably. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with this whole geopolitical situation and some, some overbuying on panic and then, and then the, and the falling away of that demand. And I think the wheat market is just kind of caught in the crosshairs of a very, very bullish, longer-term fundamental picture, like you just described. Mm -hmm. I got caught in a whipsaw. We call it the rope-a-dope of trying to play geopolitical with Russia. And right now we're on the uh, correction side um, of, that uh, of that process. Remember, we had that spike trade going into that geopolitical thing. So I think we talked about, talked about this on Tuesday, but we think that this uh, setback on this temporary easing of these geopolitical fears is an opportunity for cash buyers to get themselves further coverage and get themselves uh, you know, taken care of because we don't believe that we're uh, going to see anything but more challenging weather conditions going into the spring and, we're, and these supply issues that we are dealing with are going to resurface. So Okay. All right. Let's talk about cotton for a minute. Cotton was uh, there was quite a bit of of uh, production, or not production, but but stock cut out of of the report yesterday. I mean, there was probably of all the 
all the stuff they were talking about there in that report, the majority of, of the big hit that really took um, out of stocks was cotton. But on the flip side of that, they also cut demand. So I guess as you start looking at cotton right now, cotton's still, you know, dollar eighteen right now is where it's trading. Um, it's still a big number out there on cotton. So I guess you take a look at that cotton number moving forward into uh, the rest of the first quarter here. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, as you know, Casey, our big issue is with supply uh, demand right. on cotton going forward. We're worried about demand being overestimated right now. We have a pretty good handle on supply. The U.S. got run over. Chinese bought it all. Who knows why? They just did. Doesn't, we don't need to know why. They just did. And so our ending stocks, because of that, is tight. And we want to make sure we're getting the fakers planted. And we are going to at these current prices. But, but have we... But do we have the demand side picture correct? And what they said in this report, um, or, or at least what they started to indicate in this report, um, that demand, they, they, they lower demand. They lower demand. So it seems to me that maybe they're suggesting that the Chinese demand, we've seen peak Chinese demand. We talked about this, I think, uh, last on Tuesday or, the, or, or before the holiday. Um, we might be dealing with peak Chinese demand for cotton for a while. And if we have, then... That changes everything to uh, if you know to a situation where if we get those acres planted in the U.S., if we get those acres planted in Gujarat, India, um, which is another big producer of cotton, uh, against demand that maybe has been overestimated, yeah, you know we should have we could have a significant increase in U.S. and global lending stocks by the time we get around to the summer and the fall of 22. So, so we think right now we probably are setting ourselves up for you know, some kind of a top, you know, we, we had that 120, we had a big break, we're doing a retest, we think we're setting up this kind of a double bottom, uh, double top pattern that we could correct into the spring. And then of course, from that point going forward, Casey, as you know, got to follow the weather yeah. and see, you know, is, is the crop looking good, is it looking bad? And obviously what, what happens from spring onward will be all about the weather. But for now, I think the market is topping out. I think we're done. And I think we're going to have Prices flatted down into the spring until we know more about what our summertime weather prospects look, especially for the state of Texas, which really you know dominates the cotton production uh, here in the U.S. So, gotcha. Okay. All right. So let's talk about oil for a minute. And oil has had um, had a pretty significant run up. We're bouncing against looks like some some big technical uh, kind of wall here at about that eighty five dollar mark. Um, it's really, really over the last, especially this week, price of oil has just jumped up quite a bit and kind of back up around that $85 number and having a hard time getting through that. But I guess like you've talked about, you've kind of expected that oil to stay in that 80 to $85 range for quite a while. And, and that's, it seems like it runs up to 85 then it comes back down to like 79 and 78, something like that. And then it kind of runs back up. So taking a look at oil right now, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I, I just don't see us going materially higher than 85 unless we have some really crazy, you know, um, escalation of some geopolitical right. something. And, you know, it can always happen, but I, I have no way of predicting that. I do, I do not believe that the Middle Eastern players have any, it's in their vested interest to seek a critical goal materially higher than 80 or 85. Um, despite all the headwinds here in the U.S. Um, and despite all the... Um, um, pushback on fossil fuels, uh, you start getting over 80, 85, the profit factor is so extreme, they're going to drill 
and are going to look for more. It's just, they're just going to do that. And I don't think that the Middle East wants us to really, you know, go back to doing that again. And so uh, I think we're making a double, you know, another top here. I'm not saying we're going back to 65, like we did that, you know, a few months back when we had that mini crash, but I do think this is probably a good topping area for now. And, and we're going to have some kind of retrenchment. I, once again, like cotton, I'm worried about demand here a little bit. I'm looking at the travel numbers. Um, um, you know, if you look at the traveling numbers on, on planes, you look at the driving numbers, you look at uh, uh, the um, restaurant um, numbers in terms of the amount of people going to restaurants, they're all softening. They're all starting to soften um, in the last, you know, 45 days. Now, I don't know if that's a long-term trend or not, but those are typically indications of, of lower economic activity, uh, Casey. And of course, crude oil is extremely sensitive to that. Um, so it just says to me that you know demand's probably going to ease back here a little bit, and 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 um, and, and as such, uh, eighty five is probably going to work for a while. You know, so I just don't see the supply and demand being favorable to getting over eighty five unless something happens that I'm not aware of geopolitically that that blows its top off. Outside of that, I think we're near a high. So, gotcha. All right. Lastly, let's talk touch on milk here a little bit. Milk has had a pretty significant run um yesterday they had a, a pretty good day yesterday this morning they're open up a little about unchanged i guess from where they were yesterday but i guess as you look at um the milk market I and mean, we're still above that 20 dollar mark like you like you indicated last week we talked about this even though the prices are high there's still a lot of uh pressure on margins right now when you're looking at, at milk production so um what are some of your thoughts there and what are some of the driving factors behind this price well, we're, we're, in, we're involved in a blow-off top right now. We are in a vertical move. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in oats. We've seen it in spring wheat. We've seen it in different markets. We're in a complete blow-off top. Um, once you get in a blow-off top, the fundamentals don't matter anymore because it's not about the fundamentals. It's about panic. It's about emotions. It's about you know people on the wrong side of the trade, margin calls, all those kind of things. So if you look at second quarter milk, uh, March, April, um, uh, in May uh, or May, June, July. Right now, we are at the all-time highs. The average price for the second quarter is at tying the all-time highs set in 2014. So either that's it, <laughs> we're going to back off from that major resistance, Casey, mm-hmm. or we're going to blow through it and it's blue skies. And we have a, and we just, and we have this final, you know, uh, exhaustion top. I don't really, you know, there's no way to know if it's going to stop here or not. Um, but I can say that when I look at the price, the GDD price, which is the auctions that's done in New Zealand, which is a measure of international cash price, they've not broken out to new highs. When I look at the Chinese price domestically for milk, um, you know, they've been softening. They've not been breaking out to new highs recently. So what? It, so we're getting two markets that are not breaking out to new highs, while the U.S. is. That's a non. We call that a non-confirmation. Um, it, it it says to me that what we're dealing with is a U.S. problem. Now, whether it's these cheat these. Whether it's um, just these ongoing logistical issues. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I just feel, um, 
we're, we're probably within 30 days of making a high, either right now mm-hmm. or one more, you know, one more rung higher. And, you know, we've had a forecast, KC, for uh, 2022. We thought spot price could reach close to 30. We thought it would happen sometime in the, from the second quarter onward. It's conceivable it's going to happen right now. I mean, it, it, it could be that we're just going to get that, uh, that target now. So we'll have to see. Uh, the way I would handle this, if I'm looking at risk, you know, managing risk on the farm as a producer, you say, so, hey, wait a minute, I'm profitable now. I don't care what your costs are, you're profitable now. We're at the all-time high. Um, I would just make sure, you know, I got enough milk sold just, just, just in case. This is that we top out now and we, have a, and we have a spill here. I mean, I just think risk management says you just got to sell some milk here. Um, don't sell it all. Keep some powder dry. Uh, it's possible we, we could continue this onward. And, um, but, but, for, but just from a, a risk management standpoint, when you're at an all-time high and you're sitting there and a market's going vertical, which we know doesn't last very long, you know, vertical moves end fast. It's a short fuse. Yeah, I just – risk management says you ought to be making some cash sales. You ought to be protecting some downside price risks in that second quarter milk on some portion of your milk. It's just good sound business strategy right now. So. Right on. Okay. Well, hey, good stuff as usual, Sean. Folks want to reach out to you, get more information about what it is you're doing on Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We got podcasts. We got white papers. We got sample reports. We even got Ginsu knives. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> those things went away. <laughs> for, the, for everyone to take a look at what we do to see if we could be of some value to your listeners. Right on. So. Check that out, folks. Sean's got a lot of information out there and a lot of free information, too, so make sure you just check that out. So I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to Moving Iron LLC for everything Moving Iron related. Also for everything about the Moving Iron Summit coming up here in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. That information will be up there uh, hopefully this weekend. I said that last weekend, but... It's a new weekend, right? So I'll just keep saying next time, right? And then you, and it happens. So, <laughs> so hopefully it'll be up. Hopefully it'll be up this weekend. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast, man. Thanks, Casey. Uh, really, really look forward to it and see you next week. Right on, man. With that, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. Let's go with some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, There's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The reach of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com.
Moving in the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find us here 